Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. One of the greatest struggles that we have when it comes to suffering is that we seek a peace that comes vis-a-vis our understanding. We want to understand the why. And when God withholds the understanding of the why, it makes it even worse. And here's the problem. The problem is that true peace in the midst of suffering will never come in that way. And even if it did, it would only be fleeting. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Barak of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Job. No one ever signs up to go through suffering. As Pastor J.D. begins teaching from the book of Job, he explains that if we understood why we were experiencing suffering, we'd lean on and trust in that understanding instead of God. When you don't know the answer to your suffering, be ready for God to supply a peace only He can give. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. and Job, Chapter 1, with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. I think it'd be good if we took some time to first know a little bit about the book of Job. I uh, I know I already said this, but there's really quite a bit here that I believe God has in store for us. I want to begin with what I'll call fast facts concerning the book of Job. And the first of which is, and this is really interesting, is that it's believed to be the oldest book in the Bible. Now even tonight, beginning in chapter 1, we're going to see a number of details that are going to sort of date the book of Job, as some believe, even during the patriarchal age, which means that he would have been a contemporary of Abraham. Some even believe that it's very possible that he even predated Abraham. Now, the reason that's interesting is because if that's true, and I believe it is, that it is the oldest book in the Bible, and that Job potentially predated Abraham. Think about this. The first book recorded that we have in the canon of Scripture is about suffering. Think about that. It's also believed that, and this is very possible, and I am of the belief that this is true, that Job actually lived in what we know today as Petra, in modern-day Jordan. For those of you who have ever been to Petra, that in and of itself is quite fascinating. It is a massive rock city, and Job, as we're going to see, was extremely wealthy. God had prospered him exceedingly abundantly, and it would make sense that a man like this would have lived in a place like that. Another fast fact is that Job is the first of the poetic books. We started off with the Pentateuch, the first five books of Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Then we went into the historical books, beginning with First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles. No, I missed a couple in there. 
Joshua, Judges, and Ruth first, then first and second Samuel. That boy, it's all a blur now. Uh, then first and second Samuel, first and second Kings, first and second Chronicles, and then Ezra, uh, and then Nehemiah, then Esther was the last of the historic books. So now Job begins the first of the poetic books, and it goes Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. Am I missing something in there? So Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. Then we get into the prophetic uh, books. What did I miss? Song of Saul. Oh yeah, there's a reason why I missed that one. <laughs> so anyway, we begin, of course, the prophets, the major prophets, the minor prophets, and then that constitutes the entirety of the Old Testament. You know what the name Job literally means? It means hated. How would you like to be named hated? Now, well, we know that the name is the nature. Why would the name Job be given to this man if it means hated? Well, think about this. He was truly hated by Satan. Satan hated this man, but God, but God loved Job so much so that Satan's hatred of Job would be no match for the matchless love that God had for him. And so too is this true for us today. In fact, as we get into this book, uh, there are going to be times where what's going to come leaping off the pages of this book is this love. Even when it didn't seem like it, maybe I should say it this way, especially when it didn't seem like it. And really, this is one of the magnificent takeaways from this powerful and profound book. Another takeaway is that this book deals head-on, uncomfortably so, if I can say it like that, with the problem of pain and the mystery of man's suffering. And I say mystery because, as we say, God works in mysterious ways. God's ways are mysterious, especially in the way that he deals with us when it comes to suffering. And I should probably, this is probably as good of a time as any to forewarn you that the answers to the whys and the ways of God will not be found within this book. I'm going to be borrowing heavily from a treasured classic that I have in my library It's actually in the complete works of Oswald Chambers, whom I'm a a huge fan of. But he wrote actually a commentary of sorts on the book of Job, and he titled it, very interesting title, Baffled to Fight Better. I'm going to be quoting from this book. It has been a tremendous blessing to me over the years. And I want to share with you uh, this one quote. This is what he says about the book of Job. He says, it is in such a book as Job that many suffering souls will find consolation and sustaining. And this because, listen to the reason, no attempt is made to explain the why of suffering. Well, that doesn't bring me any consolation. (laughs) That doesn't provide any sustaining. There's, There's no explanation as to the why of suffering? Well, listen to what he says. But rather, 
an expression is given to suffering, which leaves one with the inspiration of an explanation in the final issue. In other words, God isn't going to explain any of the reasons why. In fact, it's really interesting when we get into this book, Job is going to ask many questions, many why questions. And here's what's so fascinating. God answers none of them. It would seemingly on its face be that God is being cruel. He not once answers any of Job's why questions concerning his unspeakable and even unthinkable suffering. Listen to what Chambers says. The problem in connection with suffering arises from the fact that there is seemingly no explanation of it. In other words, we're going through a trial, and we, nothing wrong with it, we ask God, why, Lord, why are you allowing this? Why is this? What is it that you want me to see in this? And God just seems silent. He offers nothing in the way of an explanation as to why it is that we're going through what it is that we're going through. In another devotional that I'm going through right now, I have, and I'm having a hard time putting it down. It is so good. It's, it's titled Let Go. Listen to what the author writes. He says, I am amazed at the power that comes to us through suffering. Right, that right there, right? Does that jam some of your gears? I know I did mine. I wish it would have said, I am amazed at the power that comes to us through a deep walk with the Lord. Oh, I like that better. I would even be okay with this. I am amazed at the power that comes to us through a thorough knowledge of the Word of God. That's very palatable to me. I'm very okay with that. (laughs) Not so much when it's the power that comes to us through suffering. Listen, he says, we are worth nothing without the cross. Of course, I tremble and agonize while it lasts, and all my words about the beneficial effects of suffering vanish under the torture. I'm fighting, I'm squirming, I'm screaming, I'm whining, I'm complaining. God, why, why, why? But when it is all over, I look back on the experience with deep appreciation, and I really like this, and am ashamed that I bore it with so much bitterness. I am learning a great deal from my own foolishness, and certainly we're going to see this with Job. We're going to get to a place, and this is what I mean by uncomfortable, and I love the honesty of God's Word. It pulls no punches, and we're just going to get down and dirty, and we're going to see Job curse the day he was born, and literally beg God, plead with God to take his life. Really, it's only the beginning, as we'll see in in chapter 1. The reason I I go into this, and it's going to be very important to our understanding of what we're going to see in this book, but one of the greatest struggles that we have 
when it comes to suffering is that we seek a peace that comes vis-a-vis our understanding. We want to understand the why. And when God withholds the understanding of the why, it makes it even worse. And here's the problem. The problem is that true peace in the midst of suffering will never come in that way. And even if it did, it would only be fleeting. It would never last. In the sense that if I only tasted from the cup of peace when I wasn't suffering or I understood the why of suffering, then how temporary would that peace be? I think of what uh, James wrote. He said that we can count it all joy. We can actually, it's almost an accounting of, we can reconcile the matter, even though we don't understand it, we can reconcile it and consider it, account it, count it pure joy in the midst of the trial, not at the conclusion of the trial, in the midst of the trial, in the midst of the painful, we don't understand why trial. We can still have that joy, that peace, even though we don't understand. And what the book of Job reveals to us is that this is possible. We can actually have true and lasting peace absent our understanding of the suffering. I'm even going to take it a step further and suggest that that is the only way to have true and lasting peace is when, and if you think about it, isn't it when we don't understand that we have to trust God? I remember many years ago, this on the mainland, I was in a conversation with a brother, and and we were talking about just how bad the situation was. And he made this comment. It was almost one of those comments where after he said it, air stopped. He said, well, I guess we're just going to have to trust God. (laughs) You think? Could it be that God allowed the perplexity and the the complexity of this set of circumstances as difficult as they are, just for that reason? So that we would have no other option, no other alternative, (laughs) but to throw our hands up and say, Lord, I don't know what you're doing. I guess I'm just going to have to trust you. I can just imagine God in heaven just shaking his head, saying, well, it's about time. It's too bad, isn't it, that it had to come to this to get you to trust me? That I had to bring you to this place where you have no understanding? Because here's the thing, and God knows us more than we know ourselves. He knows that if we had the understanding, we would lean on and trust in that understanding. Is that not what Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says? Oh, this is a famous proverb. We memorize it. We have it up on our walls. We make songs about it, and we sing it. But have you really thought about what this proverb is saying, the wisdom of this proverb? Let me just read it, and then just expound briefly on it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and listen, (laughs) lean not on your own understanding. Wait, stop right there. When is it that we trust in the Lord with all of our heart, not half-heartedly, with all of our heart, 
is it not when we don't understand? If you really think about it, I really don't have any other option, do I? I mean, I don't understand. I, and even if I did understand, I know I would lean on that understanding, but I don't understand, so I'm just going to have to trust you, Lord. Now here's verse 6. In all your ways acknowledge Him. Let me ask you, when is it that we acknowledge the Lord? Isn't it when we don't understand? We acknowledge Him, we call out to Him, and we trust in Him when? When we don't understand. Let me flip it over to the other side. When we do understand, we don't acknowledge Him. We don't have to because we understand. I understand. I don't have to trust Him. I can trust in my own understanding. I don't have to lean on the Lord. I can lean on my own understanding. And here's the last part of it. And I, I see this as a three-in-one. I hope you don't mind the crass reference here. But there's, there's three things. And then there's one thing that God says He'll do if we do these three things. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, one. Don't lean on your own understanding, number two. Acknowledge Him in all your ways. That's three. Now what does He do? He directs your paths. Another translation renders it and carries with it the idea of He will straighten out, make straight your paths. In other words, almost as if to say, He'll straighten out the mess you got yourself into. <laughs> you got yourself, you're, you're kind of in a situation here, aren't you? Yeah. You don't understand what's going on, do you? No. You can't trust in your own understanding, can you? No. And you don't know what to do or where to go. No. I do. Okay. How about you direct my past then? You direct my past. And Lord, you straighten out the way. You straighten out this crooked path. And he will. Here's another one. This is a a life verse for me. And I've confessed this, and the Lord knows my heart. I am a very good worrier. I'm a, um, I've referred to it as I'm a recovering worryaholic. <laughs> and this is a great promise in God's Word in Philippians chapter 4. And I want to read verses 6 through 8. Not just 6 and 7, but listen. Paul writing says, Be anxious for nothing. Worry about nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses, and here's that word, all understanding. Understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Verses 6 and 7 have the Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, 3 for 1. We do three things. What are they? We pray about everything. We thank God for anything. And if we do, we'll worry about nothing. Now, what does he do? Oh, he gives us that peace. And it's not the peace, as Jesus said, like the world gives, but it's the peace that only he can give. And it's the kind of peace that surpasses our ability to understand. It's, it's almost like it, it bypasses, it goes over our head to our heart, and it guards our hearts and our minds through Christ Jesus. But verse 8 is very important. You really need verse 8. Because it coincides with the Proverbs that says, As a man thinketh, so is he. And it says, finally, brethren, whatever things are, and listen to this list, true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, 
whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there is any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. One of the things that we're going to see here with Job is that what he When he doesn't know, he doesn't understand. He falls back on what he does know, and he does understand. And what does he know? That God is good. Everything around him is going to contradict that in ways that few men who have ever walked the earth have ever experienced. Everything that is about to happen to this man will contradict on every level Everything that he knows to be true about God. I want to just share with you one more Chambers quote before we jump in. And I do so because it is, I think, the question of the book of Job. Let me say it this way. It's the question that I hope all of us will be able to answer as we study this amazing book. Here's the question. Will I trust the revelation given of God by Jesus Christ when everything in my personal experience flatly contradicts it? My circumstances are such that it would challenge rightly in every way, everything I know to be true, about God. Am I still going to trust God? Or am I going to curse God? Because that's what's at stake here. That's what we're going to see about to happen here in just the first chapter. So let's jump in. Verse 1. There was a man in the land of Uz, whose name was Job, and that man was blameless and upright, and one who feared God and shunned evil. That's another proverb right there, isn't it? The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. The fear of the Lord is to shun evil. And certainly this is what this man Job was. He was blameless and upright and feared God. Verse 2, And seven sons and three daughters were born to him. Also, verse 3, and this is another reason why it's believed that either he was a contemporary of Abraham or predated Abraham because his wealth is measured in his livestock and his children. There's no mention of gold and silver. That would come later. There's no mention of the Mosaic Covenant. There's no mention of anything that would come later. So this is why we know that he um, predated and possibly was a contemporary of Abraham. So look at this measure of his wealth, what he possessed. 7,000 sheep. I'm going to put this into perspective. In that time, if you had one sheep, you were considered blessed. Three sheep, you were wealthy. 7,000. 7,000 sheep. Job's life shifted radically and quickly from prosperity to despair, giving him every reason to complain and turn away from God. Yet Job kept his focus on his Creator, telling us in chapter 1, verse 21, that the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It's not easy to praise the Lord when everything we know falls apart. But as we'll continue to learn from Job, God has a much better and greater plan than we can even comprehend. God will bring us through every trial and tragedy we face and is our ultimate source of comfort and strength. 
Have you discovered the powerful love of God in your life? If you'd like to know more about this relationship, we have a great guide for you at our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. Just click on the New Believers link at the top of the page. We'd also like to encourage you to find a church family, one that follows God with all their hearts and live by His Word, and we'll provide you with support as you walk this journey of faith. If you're in the area, why not join us at Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe? We meet every Sunday at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m., and again on Thursdays at 7 p.m. for a time of fellowship, worship, and studying the Bible. We'd love to have you join us. You can find location information through our website. That address again is inspiritandtruthradio.com. Sadly, that's all the time we have for today, but we want to thank you for listening. Be sure to join Pastor J.D. next time as he continues teaching verse by verse, chapter by chapter, through the book of Job, right here on In Spirit and Truth.